The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to another edition of NBA Today Football Presentation. I'm your host Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin MBA. Make sure to check out the fine folks of Hoopball on Twitter at uh, all tweets online hoop-ball.com. Make sure y'all do it right now, y'all, because the season is start really, really quickly, less than 40 days, and it's Hoopball promo time. We've had a huge week so far. Hoopball's products for the 2020-2021 NBA season are finally up and out. You have the draft guide. You have the Brewski 150, which is the fancy draft list that's been every other list for 10 straight years. Count them. 10 straight years, and now they have their new monthly membership plan. So you have the draft guide, the Brewski 150, the all-new DFS pass, and the in-season premium tools. All you got to do to check all that out and more is to head to hoop-ball.com or follow at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter right now. Let me tell you, folks, uh, I, I had a little bit of the scoop, so I was able to go in there and look at it. And, like, I'm a sucker, and so is my guest for just deep NBA content. And they have a ton of it. We're not just talking – Fantasy-wise, because I'm a sucker for that. I need to learn how to get better at that. But just general NBA knowledge. You want to get caught up on every move that teams have made for the last couple of years, uh, the front office, their direction, any rumors. Check that out. You'll be better for it, right? And uh, that's all I got to say. It really sells itself. But just in case they need the extra assistance, they got me on board. So here we are. But um, speaking of that, let's, without another moment, get to our returning guest. You're going to hear a lot more of him. You already heard a lot of him already. Justin Matcham, host of the Cavs Central Pod, my good buddy, uh, also, SBC alum, you can follow him on Twitter at JustinMatch26, and please do. This guy has some great hoop takes, but Justin, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Glad to glad to get on here and do another one. We got the Wizards today, so this is a team that is all of a sudden a lot more interesting with some, some news that we just got, so I'm excited to talk about them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. I'm excited. Let's kind of do a quick recap of where they are right now. They finished uh, with an abysmal 25 and 47 record. Did they win a game in the bubble? <laughs> I don't think they did. Ah, uh, they Wait, have won they one. They won a game against Boston. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they won game one against I think. Boston. Yep, nah, they won a game against Boston. Wow, Boston, that sucks. August 13th, 96 to 90 over the Celtics. Just a little uh, recall, <laughs> but that's where they were. Um, they were middle of the pack in offensive rating. They had a pretty good offense, 15th out of 30th. Uh, they were uh, just dead last. I don't even think I need to say if you watch any iota of Wizards basketball this year. They were dead last in defensive rating. Uh, obviously, the news of the year was just John Wall uh, being out. And we knew this going in for the whole season. So a lot of it was put on Bradley Beal's shoulders. When I say a lot of it, I mean pretty much all of it. I mean, you look at that roster, and we're going to kind of go down already. But, like, it's a who's who's outside of Davis Bertans and, and, and rookie uh, Rui Hachimura. And maybe Troy Brown, if you want to bring him another intriguing piece of just random rotation guys, uh, semi-rotation guys, Laker cast-offs. Uh, like I said, the Wizards knew it was going to be a lost season already. John Wall was out recovering from that torn Achilles tendon. And, you know, they had a brief distraction with Bradley Beal maybe being on the trade market. But that was put away. They signed him to an extension in October. Uh, and then with Beal in place for the offense, if you look at it, and we're going to get to them another time, but the, the Wizards were basically um, the Easter Conference version of the Blazers. Like, Beal's production was very good to keep them semi-competitive, but, like, they were too flawed on a host of other areas to really uh, stay anywhere near the upper or echelon or even the middle tier of the Eastern Conference. So, for a while, they stayed within shouting range of a playoff spot, but then once they went to the bubble, 
everything was different. Um, my last few notes on that, I mean, offensively, they were okay. Uh, they had some good ball movement, some decent cutting. They were in the top of the league in passes per game, and they finished in the upper half of the assists per game. And they also had pretty good scoring on cuts. Uh, aside from that, they knocked down their threes okay. Unfortunately, didn't take a lot of those threes because why take threes when you can settle for long twos? Um, and then defensively, I mean, they were one of the worst, and, and that was just – that was easy. If you look at uh, – they rated average or worse in almost every defensive situation according to Synergy. It was pretty piss poor. Excuse any kind of language there. It was pretty bad. Um, what did you have, Justin? That was my brief kind of synopsis of them. But just – I mean, highlights is watching Beal for me. What did you think in general of the Wizards' season? Well, I think you, you had a pretty good whole wrap-up of it right there. I thought they were a fun team this season. Um, <laughs> like you said, very, very little defense, but really a lot of offense. You know, they were they were a fun offensive team, you know. They, they lost some pieces that were, you know, kind of con- contributing to that problem of all defense – or all offense, no defense, sorry – one game that oh, stuck out to me in particular was um, the 159 to 158 loss to the Rockets in a game that didn't even go to overtime. Um, just I remember watching that game. I <laughs> I didn't watch it that night. I ended up waking up and seeing the score the next day and just watching it in bed and just being shocked. I mean, you know, the Rockets and the Wizards, mm-hmm. two teams with high-powered offenses. But um, just looking going down the roster, like you said, you have Bradley Beal, Davis Bertans. Thomas Bryant, Mo Wagner, um, guys like Isaiah Thomas and Jordan McRae when they were there. You know, a lot of guys who really bring a fair amount on the offense on the offensive end. But then you look at the other end of the floor, and you know, especially in a year where Bradley Beal just didn't really try on that, end, and understandably so, it, they really they really had some problems over there. And I, I would say, you know, highlights. Gosh, I don't know if I could point to one highlight in particular. You know, right. I mean, Kind of a crappy year in general for them, you know. I mean, dealt with some injuries, but I think obviously it was good for them to go to the bubble because they got that experience. But the low light may have been the bubble for them, where they really just outside of that Celtics win, they looked rough overall. And they obviously they were without Beal, they were without Bertans as well. They were obviously without Wall, but overall just a a kind of a transition season from you know. It kind of just a, a, almost a retooling season as they just waited for John Wall to come back. So not necessarily sure if this team is ready to compete, but um, definitely going to be different this year. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's going to be really weird to see how um, the Wizards kind of bounce back because this year, I wouldn't even call it a year of development. I mean, you had a lot of young guys on the roster, uh, mostly, you know, the results of that Lakers trade in terms of guys like, Isaac Bonga, um, Thomas Bryant had been signed to an extension. Uh, their big man there. Uh, you had um, well, I'm not forgetting his name now. When when it was in my mind all day today, I'm looking Mo at the Wagner. roster, I can't. Mo Wagner, thank you. I'm, I'm looking uh, at the roster and I can't come up with it. Yeah, John Williams, of course. Too. Yeah, another guy I liked as a Lakers big energy guy off the off the bench for the Lakers last year. Undersized kind of uh, big man uh, here for the Wizards and. You know, it, it was weird. Like I said, they 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 didn't make any moves to quote unquote win now, unless you call uh having Isaiah Thomas for half the year that, which I don't. Uh, aside from that, it wasn't like they were prioritizing youth and development. It just sort of happened. I mean, Ish Smith yeah. got a lot of run. Isaiah Thomas got a lot of run. Obviously, Bradley Beal. You know that he played 36 minutes a night, so it wasn't like they were giving him any rest on these times. It was a weird team that was kind of caught in a a weird transition period, only if to wait for a wall, in my opinion. 
No, I completely agree with you. I think that that's just kind of yeah, it's just that that weird awkward transition period. I don't yeah, you're right. It wasn't really a development year. I think obviously got, a signing like Isaiah Thomas showed that you know they were trying to kind of stay competitive. Um, a lot of guys overall that just were some win now vets in there. I thought obviously you know we'll, we'll get to Davis Bertans, but that trade was obviously a great one for them. Um, we can do if you don't mind. We'll we'll get into the, like the the coaching staff in the front office yeah, now. Let's um, get started. <laughs> you know how this is really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been here enough times, but um. <laughs> I'll start with um, with Scott Brooks. Not the biggest fan of his in the world. Um, I, I wasn't an OKC, and I don't know. I mean, he he has a coach of the year, and you know that's respectable. But overall, I, I feel like this may be his last year in Washington. I feel like if if this team doesn't really you know step out and you know look really good in the you know and make the playoffs, this might be the end of the road for him. It seems like this front office has been behind him for a while now. But um, I, I just don't know how much of a leash he has left. I don't think he's done anything spectacular in his time in Washington. Obviously, that's not all his fault. You can't predict, you know, what has happened to John Wall to happen to him with, you know, tearing your Achilles in your kitchen and being out for basically two whole seasons at this point. But um, what are your thoughts on Scott Brooks? I, I feel like he he's almost – okay, so I have this, like, rough theory on coaching, like – not a placeholder coach. That's kind of my head. Where I don't look at Scott Brooks as the guy to lead you to like any promised land, but he's solid enough. He's like maybe a tier above like a JV Bickerstaff to me in terms of a guy that like if he's your coach, you're not really going anywhere fast. You know, like you're not signing him to go. Okay, now we're really making some playoff contention right here. But you're also not signing him to like bottom out. He's like a middle tier, run of the mill kind of coach. I just remember him. You know, for the Thunder for years, uh, and you could say they underachieved whatever the case may be, they reached a certain plateau once they got to the finals, and they kind of lingered around there, and ultimately they had gotten as far as they could with Brooks. And he wrote off that, you know, unfair firing, or if you if you think so, uh, into Washington. I think he's been okay. I mean, it's weird because a lot of it for their for their teams, I think they've kind of reached the ceiling of where they could have been with the roster that they've had over the last couple of years in terms of having Beal and Wall. Um, and the guys they've had around them. At the same time, I don't, I, I wouldn't, I'd be lying if I think that Brooks is absolutely getting the most out of his talent, out of the talent that he has available to him. I think more of this is the talent he has. This is the way he's going to coach. Uh, he's not going to overachieve too much. He's not going to underachieve too much. He's just going to be there. And and that's kind of how I look at him. I'd give him like a C. Like he's almost like, I don't know how many different ways I could say average. Like talking myself yeah. in average for Scott Brooks. But like, I don't look at him in the upper echelon. And I don't think I'm at the worst. I just think I'm as like a coach who's there. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, I guess, how I look at the Wizards in general. So I think that yeah, works. Like, they're yeah. they're not a team that I'm thinking of in the, in the, in the top of the Eastern Conference. They're not a team I'm thinking of in the dregs well, outside of last year. They're just, they're just there. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of fair, yeah. Um, yeah, overall, just, I really, I don't have anything to add to that. I think that's about as good as you can say it, really. Mm-hmm. Um Overall, yeah, just just kind of average. I don't think he's ever really been a culture setter for a team. Um, if we're if we're gonna compare him to to JB Bickerstaff, I almost feel like that's that's something that he's at least in his short time in Cleveland done really well with. Is just kind of establishing a culture and an expectation. Not saying that you know Brooks hasn't done that at all, but I feel like you know just as far as the culture and over overall culture in Washington over the past you know five six years hasn't necessarily been one of the best in the league. Not to say that it's been terrible, but overall, yeah, just kind of a middle-of-the-road guy. Um, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they move on from him soon, especially if they 
don't necessarily, you know, reach those playoff expectations this year. Looking at um, the front office, Tommy Shepard, he's somebody that I think has done really a pretty good job so far. Um, obviously, he inherited a mess from Ernie Grunfeld, um, came into a really, really difficult position, and still working his way out of it, but I think he's done good so far. I think the drafting of Rui Hachimura was solid. Um, obviously, like I said a minute ago, the Bertans trade was really, really a big one for them. Um, and I guess that's something that you can credit to, you know, Scott Brooks in a way is that he's kind of unlocked Bertans and, you know, just, just overall, you know, gotten the most out of some guys on, on the offensive side of the ball on this team. But um, yeah. overall, I think Shepard is a guy who really has, you know, done a good job in a difficult position where, you know, this team, the way that you have to build with a guy like John Wall on your roster is, you know, trying to stay competitive because you don't want to get rid of Bradley Beal, but not doing so where you're going to be crazy expensive. So he's done a good job getting a lot of young guys in here. You know, we talk about all the all the Lakers castaways, and a lot of those guys have been contributors. Um, he's drafted fairly well with the past couple of years. So I think he's done a good job putting together this team with, you know, limited flexibility. And I think... They're they're heading in about as good a direction as you can. I don't know if I'll say the right direction, but they're they're not. This is not the worst path the Wizards could be taking. Are you muted again? Oh my gosh, I'm talking again. Oh my gosh, this I'm going on two and on and on. Two, two in a row. row. I, is, listen, I, I, okay, at least once y'all have either missed a two-way player or talked while I was muted. And I haven't learned yet. But let me let me get back to it. I'm sorry, man. I was saying that I agree. I think the hand – now I got to remember what I just said. With the hand that Shepard was dealt, you know, he's done a decent job. The Wizards have spent time – there we go. The Wizards have spent time um, between – they haven't been, like, actually contending, like, quasi-contending. And they haven't actually been bottoming out either. They've just kind of been run-of-the-mill. And so I think for what he's had to work with, he's done a decent job. Um, I think you're going um, to, whether I think this year is going to be almost like a, a tilting point as to whether they're going to continue to kind of ride out around Beal and Wall as they get older, or whether they're going to uh, just have to bite the bullet and make the moves that they're going to need to do to overhaul and go younger. So this, I, I guess, this is actually as great a transition as it is to kind of go into the players under contract. And so I'm going to run through all of them already, and then we can go into them uh, a little one by one. And as much time as we need, you know how we go, Justin. So you have John Wall. Uh, 30, you have him for another year. He's making 41 million plus a player option after that. Bradley Beal, 27. Oh, no, he, yeah, 27. He's making 28 mil. You have Thomas Bryant, uh, 23. You have Ish Smith, Rui Hachimura, Jerome Robinson, Troy Brown Jr., Mort, Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga, Admiral Schofield, and uh, Isaac Pashniks. Pash- I think Pashniks. There we go. Boom. I, every other time I say that, right. But Let's start with the big guy, almost like, I, I, it's weird, I don't want to say he's like a free agent signing, because like, I don't know if you signed this guy, this kind of contract, but let's talk about John Wall, obviously he spent the, the the last year recovering from that Achilles injury, Achilles uh, tear, uh, he's coming back now, after all this time, I think this time probably helped him more than anything to kind of get back, uh, all we have to go off is, uh, I mean, we have a lot to go off, but his last year that he played, uh, he only played 32 games, 20 points, uh, three rebounds, eight assists, kind of falls in line with what Wall averages for his career, 19 and nine with four rebounds. What do you think with that injury, especially being that speed is a big part of his game, 
uh, especially you know being a middling three point shooter over his career, thirty two percent three point shooter. How do you th- how do you project him coming back and 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 whether or not you know he'll be able to kind of just slide right in place or is going to need some extra working into? I I'm a little bit skeptical with him. Obviously he's he's getting older, which you know you look at players his age who rely on athleticism. He's I think he's 29 now. He'll be 30 soon. Um, and obviously coming off this long, long, long list of injuries that he's had, including an Achilles tear. So obviously it'll be great to see him play again. I'm, I'm super excited just to watch him get out on the court again. He's somebody that I've always enjoyed watching play. He's a super fun player when he's healthy. But um, you, you talk about it, you know, he's never really been a shooter. Um, so much of his game is based off of his speed and his athleticism. And he very well may have lost a step. So you're looking at a guy who's set to make 41, 44, and then $47 million over the next few seasons. Um, mm-hmm. That 47 is on a player option. You expect him to pick that up. Um, overall, I'm just I, – I am a little bit skeptical. Obviously, he's going to be an upgrade over, you know, Ish Smith, who was their starting guard last year. No doubt there. Um, but overall – I, I think he's still going to be contributing to this team, but obviously he was never going to be contributing at a, at a you know forty million dollar a year level, and I think that that's that's why this team is where they are now. Overall, he's still going to contribute, but um, there's a certain trade out there that the Wizards are considering that I think would help them in this situation. Yeah. I was about to say, do you want to go into that now? Or do you want to wait until uh, we go to the off-season plans? Because we're already there, if you want. You want to just get into it now? Let's just get into it, yeah. So um, earlier today, I mean, this was all – I don't even remember the exact source to kind of go off of. Everyone was kind of reporting this. So it was probably Woj or – no, probably Shams, I think, who had it first, quote-unquote. But um, the Rockets, as you know, have been looking to uh, move on from um, a certain Russell Westbrook or Russell Westbrook, rather, is looking to move on from the Rockets. And there was talk of a potential swap. It was actually Sham Sharania. There we go. Uh, That reported that the Rockets and Wizards have discussed a deal centered on Russell Westbrook for John Wall. No traction yet as the Rockets are seeking more assets because the Rockets are uh, making unwise choices with uh, certain recreational materials because I don't know what they're thinking they're going to get in extra assets. And I'm a Russell Westbrook fan. But with that being said, what do you think about a Westbrook for um, Wall swap? Because I, I don't really know. I like it for Washington, honestly. I think that this is, again, uh, you know, people who don't like this move. Obviously, there are some people who are very, very down on Westbrook after, you know, his previous performance. I think it is – it's you need to note that when you're talking about Westbrook and you're looking at, you know, how he played in the playoffs, yes, it was bad, and he did make bad decisions – but so much of what that was was him coming off of COVID and coming off of what was it a, a hamstring injury or a quad injury? It was a quad injury. Quad, yeah. So you know that that significantly limited him right right there. And I think that's not something to consider when you look at you know who Russell's going to be moving forward. Obviously, somebody who wants to play with the ball in his hand, um, he, he's still going to be playing next to Bradley Beal in Washington. But I think Bradley Beal is much less ball dominant than James Harden is. Overall, you know, the situation is, you know, as far as just, you know, who's in a better position to compete. Honestly, I don't even know who's in a better position to compete next year between Houston and Washington right now because they're they're ditching Covington. Who knows if they're going to ditch anybody else? You know, maybe they ditch P.J. Tucker. That's a whole other discussion. But um, 
just looking at who they might get rid of. Obviously, Tillman Fertitta is not going to pay for even a decent team. But overall, I think that Russell Westbrook definitely gives you more. And for a team who just wants to, you know, just make the playoffs this year, you look at the contracts of Wall and Russell, and I think they're pretty much the exact same, aren't they? Like, I think it's the yeah. same number of years, and it's pretty much the exact same money. It's not the exact same, but it's, it's pretty much enough. right there. So, yeah, you had a little bit of a draft compensation uh, to, you know, to send back to Houston. And I think, you know, that they're happy that they get some assets for Russell. And then, you know, maybe Wall plays well and you can flip him down the line. Probably not. He's just making too much money. But, you know, as long as you don't have to give up too much if you're Washington, I think that it's a deal worth considering. I think Russell's going to be considerably better than John Wall. Um one thing I didn't note about John Wall earlier is that he is still a very, very good playmaker. Um, he's a guy who can get you 10 assists a game. And on a team with some shooters like this, I do think that, you know, that part of his game is still going to, to translate well. Obviously, Russell is an assist guy as well. But I, I feel like just looking at, you know, overall feel of the game, I feel like John edges him out there. But overall, everywhere else, um, Russell just is going to have more of that explosiveness, more of that athleticism, even with his declining as well. Like I said, you're going to have some poor decision makings, but I think for a team that is just looking to get better next season, from the Wizards' standpoint, again, as long as you don't have to give up an absurd amount of draft compensation, it's kind of a why not move. You know, I mean, you get a little bit better, you have the same type of contract. If Houston's willing to do it, I think you go for it. Yeah, I, I think you do as well. I mean, you can go with what John Wall was and what he can be. You can go with the known quantity in in um in Westbrook and I think you probably yeah. should because like you said you know even with Westbrook playing as, as as bad as he did let's be fair you know he he was injured it was hampered a little bit COVID like you mentioned there was other um factors that came into play that really limited him but for the year 27.7 rebounds uh, just under eight rebounds a game seven assists 47 percent shooting like that's still I mean, solid, was solid numbers exactly Exactly. Now, it was three-point shooting. I mean, it was a god-awful 25%. So let's just squat over there because you're not really exactly getting too much of an upgrade of John Wall. I mean, he's gotten better with the outside shot in recent years. But, like, statistically speaking, actually, now, nah, even the last couple of years, he's been a better three-point shooter than, than, than Westbrook. But, like, we're really picking nits there. Everything else, I would go with Westbrook, especially being similar ages. And you know what you're going to get out off the get. And if you think that you have that same speed by John Wall, John Wall may have lost a step, and Russell Westbrook will lose a step, but he hasn't lost it yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he's slowly starting to kind of lose some of those steps, but I still think he's, like I said, I, I don't know what John Wall is going to be when he comes back. I think the playmaking will translate, and I'm not sure what else will. He's not a great half-court player, especially not without, you know, that speed. Which he's not going to, you know, just be a Dirk Nowitzki in the last few years of his career out there. But he's not going to be the same as he was. So, mm -hmm. again, not someone who's going to be a shooter. I think, you know, he's probably going to regress on defense. And overall, I'm just, I'm not sure how much John, I, I don't want to say this in like, you know, that he's not going to contribute. Because like I already said, he's going to be a fine player. But if you're asking me if I would rather have John Wall or Russell Westbrook at this point, I think, I think it's clearly Westbrook, you know, even with the obvious flaws that he has. 
No, I agree. I mean, and the funny thing is, if I uh, the way I imagine John Wall's decline when it happens, probably sooner than later. Now, it's almost it's it's less like uh, Dirk and more like a Gilbert Arenas, which is ironic, you know, being that they played together yeah. for a little bit of time. In terms of you know, he'll 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 kind of have a, another couple of years or so where you know a good guy off the bench will flash it of his former self, but just not yeah. all the way there. You know, no. so I definitely see that. Yeah, but let's let's move on to uh, the other big gun. For the Wizards this past year, that of course was Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal had another solid year: 30 points a game, four rebounds, six assists, shot uh, effective field goal percentage of 52%, shot 35% from three on eight and a half threes a night. I mean, what do you have to say about Bradley Beal this past year, where he's put up big numbers on a team that you know didn't really do anything? I know he's miffed; he wasn't an All Star, if I remember. Uh, and, and rightfully so. I mean, the team was awful, but I don't know how much that you could put on, on Bradley Beal's head aside from maybe lackluster defense at times. But in general, how would you do some of his year where, where he was kind of the only bright spot on a pretty bad Wizards team? Well, uh, you talk about lackluster defense. It was it was flat right. It was outright terrible defense, really. I mean, he was just he, – he was terrible on that <laughs> end. And you know what? I mean, I don't even blame nice. him because, you know, you were – you were on this Wizards team. You're playing 36 minutes a game. You know, this team isn't really going anywhere this year. And you have to shoulder this ginormous scoring load. Obviously, he scored 30 points a game. You know, I'm there, there isn't really much of a reason for him to try on the defensive end. But at the same time, you said, you know, he didn't make it an all-star team. He didn't make all-NBA. And that's the reason why, because he was that bad on defense. Um, obviously, that's not to discount him as a player, because I think in the right situation, he still can be a very capable defensive player. But that's that's why he he didn't do, get any of those awards this year was just from outright lack of effort on that end. But um, looking at you know just him, he signed a two-year extension during the season, so he has two years left plus a player option under contract. Like I said, outstanding year on offense. Um, shot the ball extremely well. Overall, was the offensive engine of this team, and really he did thrive in that role. You know, I mean, he proved to be a capable number one option on the offensive end. Now, you know, can he can he hold it up on defense while shouldering that load? I don't really think so. But um, yeah. definitely someone who is here to stay for this team at least this season. I think there's no chance that he gets dealt this offseason. Um, and unless things really, really, really go south, maybe they consider it at the trade deadline. But even then, I think he's, he's under contract for a few more years, or at least at that point another season and a half until he has a player option. I think that I don't think that there's a chance that they trade him as of right no, now. It, it wouldn't make any sense. I agree with you on that end, just in terms of a guy who's he's your one marquee guy right now. I mean, depending on what you see from John Wall, he's still Bradley Bill's still the guy. He's still the 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 the, the borderline all star, a guy with the production, like you said, his defense being I was being a little more a uh, little more positive to his defense than than was actually out there, but like. He was a big reason why your team was even competitive in the way that it was. I mean, winning 25 games of the roster that we knew already going in was going to be bad. I thought it was going to be like 15 and 67. You know what I mean? And yet, yeah. even adjusted for the actual amount of games being played, I still didn't think it would be pretty. Now, mind you, 25, 50, anything is not great, but it's still a lot better than what we thought going in. And all that you could put on Bradley Beal um, as to, you know, why they're able to kind of outperform that. But um, let's go on to Thomas Bryant. A Laker big. I didn't want him to go, especially for basically nothing. Um, actually, no, that wasn't him. I'm I'm getting mixed up between him and Thomas Bryant. She didn't have to go anyway, but he he had to go for what we were trying to do anyway. Thomas yeah. Bryant, <laughs> eight million uh for the next three years through 2021, 2022. Um, 
What do you think about him? I thought he's a productive big who offensively has some skills, can shoot a little bit, was a pretty good pick and roll finisher. Defensively was gosh awful, which is a lot why uh, we look at a certain player to kind of fill in the needs uh, for uh, Washington once we get to the draft portion of this pod. But a bit of a trend on this team, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? You might be onto something, Justin. You know, it might be, you might be right because uh, he was horrific. And this is something I saw in LA too. But mind you, we were, they were, Lakers were a bad team in general. He was playing as much as he was. So it wasn't that bad. But like, it, it was hard. But anyway, what did you think about him? I mean, a, a young guy who can space the floor, been pretty efficient. Uh, but aside from that, you know, he is definitely no Rudy Gobert. <laughs> No, he he is he is not Rudy Gobert, Gobert, Gobert by any any stretch of the imagination. But like you said, um, making eight million dollars—that's a great contract for him. I think uh, just a, a great energy big. Um, even if his his long-term role is off the bench, um, he he showed like you said that he was a capable shooter this season. He shot, I think during the regular season, he shot forty percent on pretty much two attempts a game. But I think he upped those attempts in the bubble as well and still shot it well. So definitely someone who I think is going to be able to, you know, shoot fairly efficiently from three on a high volume. And like you said, just someone who is really just a very efficient player all over the floor, really just high level offensive big, you know, kind of in a a Montrez Harrell sense, except I would say a little bit more touch outside of the paint, like we said with the shooting. But um, Mm -hmm. then you get to the defensive end. Yeah. Poor defender, terrible defender. Um, can't protect the rim, can't switch out onto the perimeter, you know, can't take, can't guard anybody out there. Um, gets bullied by bigger centers down low. Um, and I think, again, you know, you look at, you know, all these bad defenders on the Wizards. When you talk about his rim protection, you also have to factor in that everybody on the perimeter, you know, all yeah. of the Wizards perimeter defenders were getting beat and, you know, relying on Thomas Bryant to be back there to help him out. So you use as is often the case with bad defensive teams, one bad defensive player's, you know, deficiencies get exposed because he doesn't have anyone else to help him out. So I think, you know, if you put him in the right situation, like a lot of these other guys, you know, you can kind of hide him on defense. I still think, you know, there are just a lot of shortcomings there and he's never going to be good on that end by any stretch. Mm-hmm. But I do think that, you know, his, his defensive, you know, struggles were kind of highlighted by the defensive struggles of the team as a whole. Um, yeah. Also, someone who dealt with injuries this year, you know, he was walking around for, in a boot for a while, but um, you know, hopefully, is past that now. It wasn't anything that you know should be a concern looking forward. So overall, you know, I, I, I crapped on his defense a little bit, but I, I will say I do really like Thomas Bryant, um, a team that or a player that I really think any team would be happy to have as just kind of a spark plug. No, I agree. I agree. He's um, he's someone that he's still young. You know, the hope is, like you say, there's certain things we know off off the bat. He's not going to be a great, you know, rim protector. Uh, he's not going to be, a, I would probably say, like a, a great defender in general. There's definitely a lot he can get better at just in terms of awareness and being in the right spot. But in terms of what he provides, yeah, and injuries played a part too. But in terms of what he gives them at, in certain levels, I mean, come on, the NBA is full of people who are good on one side of the ball and not the other on both ends. So it's not like there isn't a place for – uh, Thomas Bryant, you know, in the league, of course, and he will be with the Wizards. They saw something that, you know, a lot of people saw in terms of his offensive potential. Uh, defensively, is just knowing that, hey, no, he's not good. In fact, he's not even close to being good. So, so there you go. But um, let's go into the another of the young guys real quick. Uh, let's go. The guy who was just drafted last year, Ruby Hachimura. 
Um, you know, Rui, interesting year. Uh, 13 points a game, uh, six rebounds, two assists, 46% from the field. Didn't really shoot a lot of threes, 28% clip. Shin probably shot a lot of threes. Um, what did you think about him? Because aside from not being the defender that I, I, I guess I imagined he was, he wasn't the offensive guy I thought he would be. And in fact, I wouldn't, I would venture out to say he was rather disappointing. I don't know if I would call his rookie season disappointing. I would say it was, it was solid. I don't know if it was, it wasn't a great one, but it was, it was fine. I thought, you know, I I didn't, I didn't know if I expected much more than what we got from him. You know, I thought it was a solid year for him um, as a rookie again, put up, like you said, 13 and a half points, six rebounds, two assists in 30 minutes. That's, that's not bad numbers for a rookie. And again, especially we talk about his defense. Obviously he's, he definitely wasn't a plus defender on this team, but again, you can say this about almost everybody on the roster it's hard to be, you know, a defensive bright spot on a team like this. You know, you have to be a really good defender to be a defensive bright spot because mm-hmm. you know, your deficiencies are not going to hide anywhere. Like you said, not really a three-point threat at all this year. But overall, he's someone who has really good touch. You know, he, he can knock down some mid-range shots and uh, has a good free throw percentage. So I, I think that his three-point shot will get there, even though it wasn't great this year. I just think... Even if it takes a few years for him to kind of grow his confidence out to that range, I do think that that will eventually become a part of his game. Um, overall, yeah, I, I I wasn't blown away by him. I I never really expected him to be you know a, a super duper high level player. Yeah. But I think he proved that you know he he still deserves probably a starting power forward or small forward spot on this team next year. Yeah, no, I, when I, I guess I when I think he's disappointing, I mean, basically relative to his draft selection, especially for me, I really wanted the Wizards to target P.J. Washington, who I thought would have been more of an immediate impact player for them. You know, drafting Hachimura ninth uh, was okay, but I guess for what I what he brought, in, and I, like you said, it, it's a mix of stuff, but you know, it was just good but not great. That's why it's disappointing. Um, definitely on the defensive end, I, you know, you, you, you wish he was better. I know watching him a little bit, um, a little extra anticipation for this uh, pod. You know, he shot a little bit differently when he shot two-point jumpers and three-point jumpers. Like, the mechanics were different. Um, mm-hmm. As a playmaker and a passer, that could help. Uh, right now, you know, a, a solid rotation forward. But I guess joining the crowd of solid guys on the Wizards who, uh, I guess, have to be the core of this team, you know? So maybe yeah. I'm a little more sour on him just because of what he – I mean, at ninth, I'm still looking at somebody who could be more of an impact. And watching PJ in, in Charlotte, as I did a lot of, I thought he definitely would have been a lot better of a fit than Rui Hachimura, who was just there. I do like PJ. I mean, yeah. And and Hachimura was consistent on the offensive end. But, like, even looking back down, I mean, you can't grade every team or you can't knock the player for the team missing out on, like, a Tyler Hero or even a Sekou Demboy or whatever the case may be. But I just – a little bit more out of Hachimura, at least on one end or the other than what I received. And so I guess that's why I was a little more down. But I'm with you on that. He was consistent. He is only 22, uh, going to be 23. Like, like he's still a guy who can grow. Um, Someone who can grow and actually kind of showed up a little bit toward the Orlando portion. Really, he, he showed out during the Orlando portion of the bubble for – or the Orlando portion of the season for the Wizards was Jerome Robinson. What did you think about uh, Mr. Robinson up in uh, Orlando? Well, just in general. <sighs> Jerome Robinson. Um, I mean, he, 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 I mean, Clippers cast off, amen for the Wizards. And over the last couple of games, I mean, the dude, he was their only consistent source of offense as they started losing, kind of had injury. I mean, you didn't have Bradley Beal in the bubble, stuff like that going down. So that, that was a problem. But he was, he was someone who kind of, um, big. In fact, I'm looking over, I'm going to read over the last, um, 
couple of games he had for them. One second here. I think we'll find this interesting. Well, I hope so here. <laughs> but, like, um, while they were down, let me go down to the last couple. So, in, in points, because he was their main source of points, he averaged what? You had 20, uh, you had 12, 17, 19, 19, 15, 10. He had a six-point game in there, too. But these were all in, like, carte blanche. You have 25-plus minutes go at it. Now, one yeah. thing I did notice is outside of one game, he didn't shoot the three-ball. Outside of two games, he didn't shoot three-ball particularly well. And he definitely got them up in every game he played in. And definitely got a lot of attempts. Like, I don't think there's a world with the Wizards where you win. Where Rob Robinson is taking uh, 10 to 15 shots a night. But at least you're able to see, okay, with the men, with the runtime, that there is some production there. Because you saw a lot of Wizards get the runtime and they didn't come up with that production, you know? That's a good point. Yeah, he, he, did, he did show some promise in the bubble. Overall... I've never been somebody who has been high on Jerome Robinson. Um, I had no idea why the Clippers took him as early as they did. What did they take him with, the 13th pick overall, I think? Yeah, if I remember right. Let me look back on it now. Yeah. It was right after Shea. I think Shea went 12th. Yeah, 13th. But, 13th but, yeah, but anyway, it just that didn't make any sense to me at the time. Um, not the best athlete in the world. You know, I think he's kind of small and not super athletic. Um, and that kind of, you know, limits his ability to play the two. But at the same time, I don't really see him as a primary ball handler. You know, I, he's kind of just stuck in between. I think he's more of a natural two. Overall, did show some some promise as a scorer. Um, you know, I think he'll, you know, he's someone that you, you hope can get to league average as a shooter. But I don't really see him as much more than that. Overall, um, I mean, it, it was worth them taking a flyer on him. You know, I mean, it cost him Isaiah Thomas who really, yeah, yeah, Thomas, the Isaiah Thomas experiment in Washington Uh was an interesting one. That was kind of fun to watch. But overall, you know, like I said, worth taking a flyer on him. He's still young. He's 23 years old, I think. But overall, I've never been someone who's super high on him. Um, I guess he'll get more minutes next season, but I, I don't see him necessarily as a, a huge piece for them moving forward. No, if he's someone who can get kind of like a gunner role, kind of create any type of offense off the bench, I think you have a win for who you have. He's kind of a limited player in that regard. He's definitely not going to be someone that you look at as like a future player or someone who's going to be the, the foundation of even the the, the, the rotation of the next great uh, team. But someone who can come in, fill a spot, just be that kind of guy that sticks around the league because you have one skill that, you know, you can get for the cheap. And that's kind of what I look at for him. I just hope that he yeah. can kind of continue that moving forward because I definitely like those stories where, hey, those points have to be – those points have to be up. Um, those points kind of have to go out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But those points are there for the taking. That's what I'm looking for. Those points yeah. are there for the taking. But at the same time, um, you, that doesn't mean that they're going to be there. Like, you saw the words this, this past bubble. Just because there's points to be had doesn't mean the players that are able to play – can generate the offense that you need. So having someone who is able to do that, I think can give some promise. If anything, it, it makes other teams give another look at a guy who I think this would be a better uh, use of the word disappointing for. Yeah. Um, another guy on this team who um, is, you know, more of a score first player who is terrible on defense, by the way. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, you said it. You said we're going to say this fits. for all but like two players. <laughs> That's why I was making the joke. I'm like, we already got on one. We might as well save it for the next. Um, but let's go down to, you know what, let's take a spice up a little bit. I mean, I don't know if he was great on defense, but he wasn't great on offense. Let's talk about Troy Brown Jr. Uh, 
What do we think about him? I think he's someone who's kind of intriguing. Uh, in my mind, at least the idea of him, maybe more so than the actual realized version of him for right now. But someone who is, uh, you know, kind of has a little up ball creation. Um, definitely could shoot a little better in my opinion. Defensively was all right. Like, in general, what, I mean, okay, that's not true. Nobody was all right for the Wizards defensively. So let me not say that. Let me totally recant that. But he was a solid player for someone in the second year. He had some growing pains along the way. But he, he kind of does a little bit of everything. It's kind of weird to even know his position. Is he a small forward? Is he like a backup point guard? Is he a little bit of both? Is he a little bit of neither? Uh, he averaged uh, 10 points, five rebounds, just under three assists a game, only one turnover. Uh, you know, he, he was interesting. Uh, he had he had a, a couple of good games. Um, I know he had one against uh, the Nuggets in, in January, 25 points, 14 rebounds, three assists. Now, mind you, this is during those run and gun kind of all over the place kind of Wizards games. But he also... Had some good ones in the bubble as well. He had a 22.10 rebound, 8 assist game versus Brooklyn, a 20.10 rebound, 5 assist game against the Pelicans, and then a 17.8 rebound, 3 assist game against Boston in a win. So uh, what did you think in general about a, a guy in, in Brown, 6'6", with good handle and a good rebounder, but obviously has some weaknesses? I like Troy. I like Troy Brown Jr. I think, first of all, he finally played this season. You know, he was stuck on the bench for forever in his rookie season. You know, we finally got to see him in a consistent role this year, and I think that really benefited him. Yeah, he, he's just a super versatile wing, you know, can play, like you said, one through three. I think he can fill the roles you're starting small forward, or he can be your backup point guard, whatever you need him to do. Um, kind of this team's Swiss Army knife, in a way. Um, like you said, good handle, uh, good rebounder, really good playmaker. Um I think the, the swing skill for, you know, what his role will be in the NBA is his shooting. He wasn't a great shooter. I think he really shoot around 34%, I believe, mm-hmm. from three. But, um, you know, and that, that's, that's fine. You know, that's that's okay. You're, you can accept that. I think, you know, he has room to improve on that end. But overall, you know, that, that lack of shooting does make him a less than ideal fit next to a Wall or a Westbrook, if, you know, that's the direction this team goes in. But, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to play him on the floor at the same time as somebody like that, just because that is two non-shooters who aren't centers or power forwards. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if you're going to play Rui Hachimura on the floor a lot as well. But, um, yeah, overall, I, I really like him as a player. You know, I think you mentioned him in his defense. He is one of the only guys on this roster, and I don't think he was good on defense this year. But he, he wasn't, yeah. you know, he wasn't Horrible. a disaster on that end. He wasn't a disaster, I don't mm-hmm. think. No, so, no. And, and that's that's really saying something. Like I said, that is really saying something for, you know, a team that was <laughs> a total train wreck on that side. So overall, like I said, I think I think the shot is going to be the the big swing skill for him, you know, between being a legit starting th- a legit starting wing or an Evan Turner. So but but overall, somebody <laughs> I really like yeah, Evan Turner comes scary. Sorry. It, uh, it's a little bit scary, but like I said, I think Evan Turner is the floor for him because, you know, Evan Turner is – Troy Brown is a better shooter than Evan Turner has ever been. So I, I think that – I don't think he's going to be that. I think – I don't know exactly who to compare him to because he is kind of a unique player. But overall, I like Troy. I think he's a piece for this team moving forward. Um, I really like the pick at the time. Like I said, it, it took him forever to play him. But um, I'm, I'm glad he's, he's finally kind of settling into a role here. I think – He's, he's really going to be a, a good team on this player for years to come as long as he's not traded. Yeah, I agree. He's the one of the young guys that I would definitely uh, consider like moving forward with. Also, and you, this is a brief just 
random aside, but you you play basketball GM like I do, right, Justin? So you kind of know how that game works, oh, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes. I have used the Wizards several times now uh, to well, use them in terms of trading for uh, Troy Brown as someone who, like, hey, you know, a little bit of everything can kind of give you something here and there. And the guy, he develops well. So, I mean, it's, it's a game, a simulation, and a, a different one at that. But you know what? Like, the hope he's never going to be someone that, in my mind, is going to be a star. But if he's able to do those types of numbers, even like, let's say, Nick Batum at his peak, in terms yeah. of, you know, decent size, a decent facilitator, good enough shooter, decent enough rebounder, decent and all. That, that's still a very solid NBA player and one that can fill a very good role. Quick side note, I know this isn't Wizards or NBA related, hey, but in we basketball gotta do side um, um, um I, I haven't been playing like like I said, like historical leagues. I don't I haven't used like real NBA rosters yet. I just made up like I just used the fake rosters that the game comes up with. Oh wow. But um I just wanted to let you know that I just completed the thirty twenty season in which what? I was sixty two and twenty league champs. Wow. <laughs> that is crazy. Dude, I gotta say real quick, we're, we're just talking whatever. I have to say, I um, I've done, I I've been using the fake ones up until they gave the real rosters available. Yeah. And once you go to it, man, I don't know if you're able to go back. Uh, that's how that's how crazy it is, man. Like, it, it it's pretty wild. I mean, being able to start at any season, being able to kind of deal with the expansions of the time and 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 making the rosters real and and having they have that random debut type deal where you can um. Yeah. Let's say, yeah, I, I, dude, I'm telling you, the, the 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 fun thing about, well, the fun thing about both of them is kind of cool. The fun thing about, um, like the fake ones is that you just, it's it's this your own sandbox. You know? Yeah. You gotta have it, these guys and yeah, yeah, and you don't know anything. But the fun about the the real rosters, for example, I have a Lakers one right now that I think we're in our ninth straight championship, and I had drafted basically all the guys I've always won for my team run, and somehow it worked. But basically, it's uh. It's um, Zach Levine, Andrew Wiggins. So I finally traded because I, I had high hopes on Andrew Lee Wiggins and, like, literally the rest of anyone who watches the NBA. But my big deal was getting Jason Tatum. And then I swung yeah. a deal for a pick that became um, Luka Doncic. So I just oh, went wow. hog wild. So yeah, man. It was – it was. oh, you you know it, though. <laughs> but, no, man, that game's fun. I got to talk to you a little bit more about it afterwards because there's some leagues sure. and stuff that would be a for lot sure. of fun. But um, let's keep right on moving. Hey, y'all, y'all definitely got to check out Basketball GM. Very fun game. Two dope game. people know ball. There you go. We both know how the game is. We both play. We both know our hoops. So y'all know it too. Check it out. Um, let's go to another ex-Laker. In fact, let's kind of do two for one on this. Mo Wagner and Isaac Bonga. I'm just going to be real brief about these two. Both had their moments. I think Isaac Bonga is this intriguing kind of big, small forward, undersized big man type guy who can shoot three a little bit. Mo Wagner with his grit and his flopping <laughs> and his three-point shooting. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they both had uh, moments that added value. Uh, Mo Wagner's hands and finishing around the rim. Oh, my God, though. But aside from that, what do you think about those two? Kind of how they were for the Wizards? Because they, they didn't seem anything different to me. I didn't look at them. any. My position on them hasn't changed as much as, oh, I liked them when they were on LA, and I liked them for being in Washington. Well, I'll say – I don't like watching Mo Wagner play because he's so whiny and he likes to flop. I was not somebody who was that high on him in um, in L.A., but I thought he's played very, very well for Washington. You know, just as another – we'll bring it up again. Another guy who is, you know, a good offensive player for you who is just a mess on defense. But, you know, that's okay. Again, you know, a, a big who can shoot for you, play four or five um, overall yeah. – 
not the biggest Mo Wagner fan, just because again, I, it 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 hurts me a little <laughs> bit to watch him play. It's just it's not easy. But no. overall, you know, an impactful player. I, I I wasn't sure that he was an NBA player before the season started. Now I am. I I think he's he's earned that that title as you know a legit NBA player. Um, I guess I don't know if his role is ever going to be more than a shooting big off the bench, but that's okay. You know, as a late first round pick, you're, you're fine with that. I think he definitely has a role. Looking at Isak Bonga, um, somebody who I think really was a, a good pickup for this team. Obviously somebody who's still super, super, super raw, really on both ends, but was one of the brighter spots for them on defense. He was one of those guys that, you know, was a bright spot for them on defense, even, you know, mm-hmm. you know, he was kind of raw there. He he made some, some boneheaded mistakes sometimes, you know, fouls a little bit more than you like him to just rookie things. You know, I mean, I don't technically, I don't think he was a rookie, but just, you know, the typical woes of a young player on that end, but overall great athlete, you know, good athlete overall, um, good length. Somebody who I think, again, not somebody who's a starter long term, but um, on a team that desperately needed just some length and defense, I think he mm-hmm. was solid in that role. And um, definitely just two guys they got for free. Um, yeah. I, I think that that was just, you know, another another fantastic move by Tommy Shepard, really, to get both of these guys who can be pieces of this team moving forward. Yeah, exactly. You know, cheaper role players, fill a, fill a spot, kick around on him, see, you know, what uh, – attributes if any they can bring to the court like you said bonga maybe a little bit more than than well now maybe uh, bonga more so than wagner who i agree i like him because of his you know my loyalty to the team he used to play for however i will say it wasn't a quote-unquote pleasurable experience to watch him do his uh thing so i'm with you on that but um yeah again great work by shepherd to get in there and get two young pieces and see what they can do uh for a team and then how they may be able to fit in um, and, and how they're able to perform now. So let's kind of run down. Uh, we got three more guys to run through. We'll kind of go rapid the fire here. Let's spend, I guess, the one we'll spend relatively more time on, uh, and even that not being a lot. We, we, we mentioned Ish Smith already, um, 32 years old, decent backup guard. I think he did what Ish Smith does. Change of pace, not really a, a, a deep shooter, but someone who is um, able to go in and, and, and give some help. Yeah, I like I like Ish Smith. Um, you said just a quality backup point guard. Um Really does push the fa- the pace, even you know as he is getting a little bit older. He is still lightning quick. Um, had a pretty good year shooting the ball too. You know, I mean, relatively never been a good shooter. That's always kind of been the big knock on him in his career. But you know, in limited attempts, he shot a respectable mark from out there. So I don't know if that's something that's going to hold up. It may have just been an anomaly this year. You know, on a team that was again kind of <clears throat> had a nice flow on offense. Maybe just got some more open looks. We'll have to see. But overall, I thought he had a fine year. Um, like I said, he's definitely not somebody that you want as your starting point guard. No. But overall, you know, I I think another one of those guys that, you know, anybody would be happy to have him off their bench. I have a little bit of a trivia question here for you, Corbin. Oh, let's get it. How many of the teams that Ish Smith has played for can you name? All right. So the there's, Pistons... there's a long list here. Okay, I'm going to start checking them All off. Right. Pistons. Pistons, the Suns. You got, you got two. The Magic. That's three. Uh, the Pelicans? Yep, yep. Oh, shoot. Okay. Um, um, oh, shoot. 
Um, okay, we'll include Washington. That's obviously number five. Oh, Washington. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. I uh. Ay ay ay! I'm trying to think without. Okay, one sec. Scan my brain. Scan my brain. Uh, the the net. Nope, not the Nets. Um, not the, Nets. Not the Spurs. Not the Rockets. I gotta run through each team so I can go and what what he's not. Because every time I remember Ish Smith, he was always a guard that. Like, oh, man, if you could only shoot. The Blazers? No, nope, not the Blazers. Not the Blazers. Not the Pacers, not the Nuggets. I... The Kings? Nope. Should I give it the list? Yeah, let me get one. Um, Cavs. Everyone had a run with the Cavs. Surprisingly, no. Did not have a run with the wow. Cavs. Wow. I was thinking, like, early, like, between LeBron. Okay. Hit, hit me. He has played for the Houston Rockets. The, the Memphis Grizzlies, uh-huh. the Golden State Warriors, the Orlando Magic, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Phoenix Suns, the OKC Thunder, the Philadelphia 76ers, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Detroit Pistons, and the Washington Wizards. You've got to be kidding me. Wow. I think, they, a, like, wow. I, think, I think I saw whoever the, um, the Athletics um, Wizards beat writer, I think I read there that he is one team short of setting a record. Dude, I mean, it may happen yet. He's still just a solid enough guard, even at 32, that he can provide some leadership. You know what you're going to get from a guy like Ish, and teams will always get that for the cheap. But, um, wow. I, I, as you were saying that, I think with every team but the Rockets, I, I, I saw it in my yeah. head. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's neat. That's real neat. All right. Cool, cool, man. Well, I appreciate you uh, going down in that for me because I had no clue in that. <laughs> Wow. Wow. That, that's wild. All right. Well, uh, with that note, let's kind of run through the last and we'll do all four of these guys because I don't want to forget them. And you'll probably have more to say about them than I do. I'll be very clear about that. Um, Admiral Schofield, uh, Anzi uh, Pashniks, I just said it before, um, Jonathan Williams and Garrison Matthews. So the last two uh, between Schofield and, and Pashniks, why do I keep doing this to myself? Uh, they were the last two in the roster. And then obviously the two-way contracts were to Jonathan Williams and the Lakers and Garrison Matthews. Uh, uh, the 6'5 guard from uh, Lipscomb. Well, we can start with Admiral Schofield, I guess. Um, <laughs> right? I, mean, I take, take murder. <laughs> um, Schofield is an interesting player. Um, I'm not sure exactly what to make of him. Um, you know, somebody who he, he's 6'5", 241, and he's listed as a shooting guard, which is just weird. Um I don't know. I don't know really what to – like I said, I don't know what to make of him. Um, I was kind of hoping he could play more of a power forward role when he was, you know, when he was drafted. Obviously, I don't think that that's the role for him. No. I, I, I was I, – I liked – I wanted to like him just because he's such an interesting player, you know, physically coming in. He's, he's a big, solid guy. I'm just not sure exactly what he does well. Um. Obviously, you know, was not a not a super high usage player, but um, not a great shooter, not a great defender. Um, really, frankly, you know, doesn't play with that super high of intensity. Um, he's he's big and he's strong, but he doesn't have great length. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, not a great rebounder. Overall, he just I, I'm not sure how I view him as a long term piece for this team. Um, somebody who I really, really wanted to like, like I said, but I'm just, I, I'm, I'm not convinced of him as a player. I, I really hope that he develops one of those skills because if he does, like I said, 
having a, a 6'5", 241 two guard who can also play small forward a little bit for you, that's that's an interesting player. You know, yeah. I think I think he was a good three point shooter in college. You know, maybe that comes around. Hopefully it does. Because I think if he can shoot the ball, you know, as just kind of an off ball player who hopefully can, you know, hopefully can guard somebody in his career. You know, I, like I said, I thought he was going to be able to play the power forward spot, but I just don't think he's a good enough rebounder too. Yeah, but no, um, he gives up a lot there. Overall, um, just like I said, overall, I'm just not sure what his role is in the NBA. I'm not sure what his role is for any team. He's 23. He still has time to figure it out, but um, not not a whole lot else to say there. Um, we can move on to. I'm pretty sure I'm saying this right. Anze. Uh, I, I don't know exactly how. I don't know exactly how to say the first name, but I know the last name is Pesechniks. Pesechniks. I hear it on a pod all the yes. time. And I'm like, okay, remember that core, Bashashniks. And then Pashniks, Bashniks, Basha? I, I don't know. I just go <laughs> crazy on it. But yeah, let's talk, let's talk about Mr. Uh, AP. <laughs> yeah, Anze Pashashniks. I think I think that that's okay. Um, another very very raw guy on this team. You know, I, I don't have anything against Pashashniks. He's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he was solid in the Euro League before coming over. Um. We'll, we'll say it again. Um, contributed somewhat on offense, you know, kind of what you want out of, you know, a young kind of raw center, but has never been known for a defender as a defender, not in Europe, not here. Um, that that was, nice you know, loud and clear as he was on the court is that, you know, another guy who just fouls a ton. But um, I, I think he's, he's an interesting player on offense. Um, I think he has... Some shooting potential, you know, I, I don't think it's there yet, but I, I do expect him to at least try to expand his game a little bit next season, assuming that he still gets some run. But um, he's active, I think, on on both ends, even if you know that does get him into trouble with some fouls. And he is turning 25 soon. I'm I'm not sure if he's an NBA player yet, but I definitely do think he's intriguing. It was it was interesting to watch him play this year, but I think. For someone like him, who's kind of a obviously he's a big guy, he's seven two. You know, I I think the hope is that even if he is just going to be kind of slow and plotting, he can protect the rim for you. Yeah. And I think they would like him to maybe provide some stretch minutes at the five as someone who, like I said, I, th- I think he has a little bit of touch, mm-hmm. even though he hasn't even he wasn't even a great foul shooter. But overall, just watching him, I think that's something he could add to his game, and I think it's going to be something like that that will be required of him if he wants to stick. Because other than that, again, he is 7'2", and that helps him, you know, protect the rim a little bit more than a guy like Ante Zizic. But if he if he can't develop, you know, a real offensive skill, I kind of just see him as another Ante Zizic, a little bit taller. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and unfortunately, it is a little bit, uh, you see what happened to Zizic. Zizic, he had his moments in Cleveland, and, you know, ultimately he kind of went to greener pastures because unfortunately it just wasn't what the league was for him. So, yeah, that's a thought. And then um, I guess going down from that to the two uh, two G League guys, uh, Jonathan Williams, and we already covered him a little bit, but I like his energy. Someone who's undersized, and that could be real, especially when on the glass. Um, we saw in L.A., we saw it again in Washington, but I thought he was a decent finisher. He definitely has a pretty good motor uh, for, for a big who has big skills. But, again, at 6'9", it's just he hasn't played bigger than his size, in my opinion. You know, he's just a big uh, due to, like, his skill set. 
Yeah, Jonathan Williams, um, I think he's a really good rebounder. Um, I'm not really sure what else, you know, he has as far as an NBA level skill. But like you said, someone who really plays hard, plays with a lot of energy and effort. Um, and that can get you somewhere in the NBA, you know, just somebody who's who's going to outwork guys. And like I said, it, with two-way guys, you're just looking for, you know, one skill that you can, can keep you around. And I think between his energy and rebounding, he has he has a shot. I don't know if he's a, a surefire NBA player. He's still very, very raw on offense. You know, it doesn't really give you any, any sort of shooting. Um, like I said, on defense, he's a little bit undersized. But overall, you know, just – Guys who play hard, at least, you know, will get opportunities. And I think he's still – how old is Williams at this point? I don't even know. Uh, 24. 24. So, you know, I mean, he's he's got some time left. You know, I mean, his time is coming to really, you know, show who he's going to be. But I think that there's still hope for Jonathan Williams. Looking at Garrison Matthews, um, here's somebody that I really like. Um, there we go. We're, we're going to make a unique um, – statement about him in relation to this team uh somebody who really shows a lot of flashes as a shot maker and an overall offensive player who is a train wreck on defense um that sounds familiar um yeah i, I don't know where that's been said before but um like i said someone who really can make shots at a high level and that's what he does he he can make his own shot he can create his own shot he draws a lot of fouls um, not really sure if he's going to give you a whole lot as a playmaker. He's a little bit undersized. He, I think he had a 28 point game for the wizards this year. You know, that just kind of shows you, you know, what he's capable of. So like I said, even if, you know, the other side of the ball is a complete mess. I do think that that gets highlighted a little bit by again, the, the weak defensive supporting cast that he's had. And the fact that he doesn't have any help anywhere on this team. Um, I hope they bring him back. Um, Overall, like I said, I think whether it's it's in Washington or somewhere else, he has a real chance to be just another one of those spark plug, you know, offensive creators off the bench. I definitely see, yeah, there, there's a thought in there. Uh, just I'm mean, largely inspired for me because I'm not going to lie, I've not watched a ton of Garrison Matthews ball. So I see all the expertise to you. But in what you described, aside from obviously being a perfect archetype for the 2019-2020 Washington Wizards, um, I guess there's a guy who has some promise and some potential moving forward. And, and that could be helpful being where the Wizards are, you know, in terms of trying to retool, quote unquote, or alongside uh, John Wall or let's just say alongside Bradley Beal with whoever that may be alongside him. So, so yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Um, That's interesting. Something intriguing to keep an eye on for certain. All right, with that, let's kind of run through the free agents. We'll do the three kind of minimal ones first, and then we'll talk about the last one. But let's start with, um, we'll run through all of them, and then I'll just, we'll just finish with the last one. Uh, Gary Payton the second. Uh, 28, same as he's always been a really good defender who just unfortunately offensively doesn't bring the value uh, necessary to be on the court. Uh, he's that bad and negative on the offensive end that everything he provides on the defensive end is uh, is pretty minimal, especially on a team that blood points. He did his best. I mean, I definitely saw him make some clutch plays and everything, but I also saw a lot of missed jumpers too. So that's what I meant from Gary Payne. He'll probably uh, find another team. I hope he does. He's a grinder. He's just not someone who on the offensive end is, is very good, and he's not exactly a Andre Oberson or anything on the defensive end to justify, uh, you know, sticking around for any long term. Um, then you have Shabazz Napier, another guy who should see some minimal offers uh, from the league. Uh, just a solid backup point guard. Nothing fancy. Kind of is what he is at 29. Uh, his claim to fame was LeBron liked him from college. Um, then you have Jan <laughs> Mahimi, the longtime big man for the Wizards backup. He's 34. Who knows if he'll get another run or if this is his last gasp in the league. 
And then last but not least, Davis Bertans, 28-year-old sharpshooter from San Antonio who blazed just holy fire over everything he touched when he had the ball for the Wizards. Uh, he was one of their big bright spots and obviously one of their free agents that uh, is probably a near lock to re-sign. But I'm going to throw it over to you, Justin. You can talk about any of them. I just was giving my brief takes on those guys. Uh, but Davis being kind of the shining jewel of that uh, unrestricted free agent crop for the Wizards. We'll, we'll, we'll start with some of the minimum guys. We can start with Gary Payton, the second. Um, somebody who, I don't know what to think of him. I like Obviously, you know, he's known for his defense, not going to really give you anything on the offensive side of the ball. Um, overall, he's known for his defense, but I think one thing I don't like about his defenses so much is that he does gamble a lot. Um he, he, he does get into passing lanes, but I think he does it to a fault sometimes where he's just, you know, just trying to get steals. And I think that kind of burns him sometimes. But overall, is, you know, a hard-nosed defender, um, which is something that this team desperately needs. And for that reason alone, you know, somebody who you can get who can play defense on a minimum contract for you, that might be reason enough to re-sign him if you're this team. Um, I'm not sure if he has as much of a role anywhere else in the league. He is 27. Um, like I said, he doesn't really give you much of anything on offense. I could see him as a guy who, you know, goes overseas and makes money over there. But overall, um, if you're looking at Shabazz Napier or Gary Payton, I think Shabazz is definitely the better player. But I, I, I'm not mm-hmm. sure which one I would say is more likely of returning. Um, Shabazz still gives you a little bit of shot creation. I think he's someone who will be gettable on the minimum for him. Um, overall, he's just kind of, you know, quality across the board can play on or off the ball. Um, probably better as, you know, an on ball player <sighs> had that one good season for, was it the trailblazers where he had a really good year? I think it was the trailblazers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there he, he kind of showed he was just kind of a scrappy player on both ends of the ball. Um, versatile offensive player. Like I said, you know, it gives you just a little bit of everything there. I'm not sure which one of those two, you know, is more likely to be back though. Like I said, um, I, I, again, I don't think he's someone who's really going to contribute in any way on the defensive end. Um, whereas Gary Payton does. So I think while Gary Payton fits more of a need, he's just not that good of a player in general. And I think Shabazz Napier will have a market elsewhere. I think a team like the bucks who, you know, just traded away literally everybody on the roster except for their starting five, pretty much. Um, that's a, a player that I could see the Bucks really wanting to go after as a backup guard on a minimum contract. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm just not sure that he wants to come back to a Washington team that is still going to have Ishmith, still going to have Jerome Robinson, Isak Bonga, Troy Brown, Admiral Schofield. Um, I, I, I think he's gone, even if he is, you know, just on a minimum somewhere else. But I think... If he can get a minimum from the Wizards or a minimum from the Bucks, I think he obviously chooses the Bucks. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, that's a no-brainer, especially with the moves they've made uh, just recently to kind of retool. So I'm right there with you on that. It'll be interesting to see where they go. Um, but you're right, there's more of a future there, I think, to be sure, than there is, um, you know, with the Wizards. Even And, and I kind of want them to succeed. You know, that, to get, after, after having a season like you did, Bounce back, you know, go on a team where, hey, you won't have the, probably as big a role, but you'll have to go to, to some of the success, uh, at least on a minimum deal, as, as big as anyone on a minimum will be uh, for a contender. So I'm with you on that. Um, With that, let's kind of go over to the next uh, question here. It's concerning draft picks and future assets for 
the Wizards, but I guess the question first is that, um, you know, they, they have the ninth right now, if I remember correctly. Yes. Uh, do well, you Corbett, think they'll make... going to get into the last couple free agents here. Oh, my gosh. What, are you going to disrespect... Are you going to disrespect Yamahimi and Davis Bertans? We haven't even oh, talked about them. Oh, uh, listen, my bad. I talked. Okay, see, that's why. <laughs> I, guys, ladies and gentlemen, I did not let Justin speak about them. I ran through them already in my brief uh, little hitters on old man Yamahimi and Davis Bertans running fire. I didn't get your takes on that, Justin. My, I want to know for that. I, I, I want to know what um what you think that Davis Bertans's market is going to be. That was a question that I had for you. Um. I'll, I'll hit on Mahimi real quick as someone who, mm-hmm. you know, was injured a lot of the season, has an Achilles injury, um, not an Achilles tear, which is a good thing, but um, injury concerns and overall just being another lackluster center on a market that has plenty of lackluster centers. Right. I'm not sure what his future is in the league, let alone in this Wizards team. So that's a quick take on him. But um, Davis Bertans, um, I definitely think, obviously the Wizards want to bring him back. I think they'll be able to. But um, things could definitely get pricey here for him. Obviously, a three-point gunner, um, more of a gunner than pretty much anybody in the league this year. Obviously, they acquired him for nothing from the Spurs, um, and he was just completely unlocked this year. What do you think his number is in free agency this year? I don't know. Going in, I would have said, like, between 17 and 20, I could see a team even going higher before – the cap changed and everything just went straight off to who knows what. And now it's weird. I still want to see to that higher point just because I think a team will, despite the market, try to find room to sign him because of how impactful he is as a shooter. But the exact dollar value for me, I don't know. Maybe I will, will a team prioritize years over dollars? Will they try to make, obviously, a competitive offer money-wise and just stretch it to three or four years? Could you see, like, I, I don't even know, four years, 50, 60 million? I mean, is that even? I think it's. I think it's uh-huh. going to be more than that. Uh, yeah, I mean, but like, then I guess how high are you going? You know what I mean? Because yeah, you're getting it's it, you're you're getting a premium uh skill set. You know, a shooter, some size, decent rebounder, not a great defender, decent enough. Like he's not. He's the best at one thing, and that's shooting, and that's very good. How much in this market, especially, do you put a premium for that? You know, and 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 how much of that manifests itself in this market specifically? Because normally, I would I would go crazy and say like twenty, and maybe it's not even crazy. You know, just twenty a year. Like yeah, he's been yeah. that impactful. But with the way this year's been, I mean, there's only a few free agents I see getting that. Maybe like a Fred Van Vliet or a Brandon Ingram, where their market is 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 un un. It's it the word I'm looking for is escaping me, but it's un, oh there you go unaffected by the market. But I feel like Davis Breton is just a wrong underneath those guys, and I think his market is just a little bit affected, especially if he wants to go on a team that that has a serious aspiration for winning just because of their cap situation. Yeah, I think if you're looking to go to a team that has serious aspirations for winning, then you're not going to get that much money. But never count out the Knicks to go after a flashy, a, a shiny object. <laughs> you know, I mean, no, you're right. They could trade for Russell Westbrook and that cap space will be gone, or they could go after Davis Bertans, um, someone who would help them tremendously with shooting. Obviously, very versatile players, somebody for R.J. Barrett to pass to, who can help space the floor for him. Um, but um, I think uh, I think the Wizards will offer him in the range of 15 million, and unless the Knicks come in there with a crazy offer, which I do think that the Wizards might match. I think that the Wizards are going to hold on to him no matter what. Um, and obviously, he's not a restricted free agent. You know, he can go wherever he wants. When I say match, I just say, you know, they'll offer the same amount of money. But um, I think he could go for 
still in this market, he might be a $16, $17 million player. Obviously, we'll see. But um, definitely, I think his market has been affected by circumstances, but he's still in line to get a boatload of money. Yeah, it's going to happen either way. I totally agree with you. That, that's coming. I think they'll mention to look back on it, uh, and it's going to be funny, looking back on it in like four days, Justin, and seeing what offers he gets <laughs> yeah, and comparing yeah. it to what we both said here because um, because I'm with you. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. with you, and it's such a tricky space, but like whatever he gets, Davis Bertans has earned. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, so so yeah, I, I'm I'm totally I'm totally on board with you on that. But um, yeah, I guess with that being said, now that we've covered him, I didn't want to leave you in the lurch here. Um, any any more thoughts on uh, on Yamahimi uh, saying goodbye to the long years of service that he's had uh for the um for the Wizards? He's been around them for a couple of years, wasn't he? One of those big uh free agents. He was one of the 2016 signings. Yes, he was. Isn't that insane? <laughs> I, I mean, think so, are there any uh, others around other than Nick Batum? Is that the last one? Nick Batum is the last one indeed, and I think these are the only ones who did not get moved. Yeah, at least yeah, up he, to he this point. You know what I mean? Yeah, he stuck it out. So yeah, shout out to shout out to that. You, you gotta you gotta you gotta look at them and, and go, okay, you know what? That that's pretty cool. <laughs> no, I'm playing. He actually did really nothing for them over the time. I don't know why he got the contract <laughs> he did. Um, he was one of the more confusing ones for me for sure. But hey, he did it and he'll actually serve the duration out. So with that, let's kind of go to the draft outlook uh, for the Wizards. And they only have they have the ninth pick and the 37th pick. Um, you know, they, they had the ninth pick last year. You saw them take uh, Rui Hachimura. Um, now you got to see who's available. Now, first off, before we even get to who they can take, um, do you think that the Wizards will look to make themselves available for more picks by taking on like a honorary contract or two? I tend to lean toward no, but I'd like to see what you think. I think no. Um, I think they're, they're already paying Bradley Beal and John Wall, and they're about to pay Davis Bertans. I don't think that they're looking to take on too much more bad salary. I think that I, I think they're going to stay put at number nine or possibly move up. But um, I, I don't see them as a team that is a candidate to take on a bunch of bad contracts. I think they have they, they have enough of bad they have enough bad money invested in Wall. Even if you're getting assets, I don't know how much more you can tie this team up and 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 flexibility moving forward. No, I agree. And it, 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 I mean, with the situation they have right now, it's already so tight and so capped that um, yeah, I'm with you on that. But let's kind of go to the draft. And they have the ninth pick. And the 37th pick. Are there any players or archetypes that you would like um, the Wizards to target? At number nine, and I think it's kind of obvious at this point that they probably want a Kongwu. Um, yeah, I'm that's I think that. somebody who is a perfect fit there as just a defensive big who has some offensive versatility. You know, I mean, I don't like it. I mean, it, it's not the worst comparison in the world. It's just overused. But the Bam Bio comparison is always thrown around. Um, somebody who can really be a switchy big, can defend four or five, or can switch out onto the perimeter and guard two, three, even ones in some cases. Um, really good rebounder too, even though he's a little undersized, and that'll that'll hurt him at some points. But I think as he, he's a few years into his career and he gets stronger, I think that'll kind of go away a little bit. But um, just really fits what this team so badly needs as a, a defensive center. You're looking at, you know, guys who can potentially play center on this team. You're looking at Thomas Bryant, Mo Wagner, and Anze Pesesniks 
And that is just not a recipe for success in the defensive end. You know, I think those guys can play. Um, Possessnik's maybe, but Mo and Thomas for sure. But you, you need to get a defensive prospect in there. And I think that Onyeka is likely someone who will be there for them at number nine. And um, if a team like Atlanta or New York or Detroit, you know, has rumored interest in them, I would not be surprised if they traded up to secure that pick. Yeah, it's, it's possible. I definitely like Okungwu. Uh, for the Wizards, I think he's another big who can do kind of succeed, uh, maybe playing alongside Hachimura, maybe bringing Tom Bryant off the bench as like a change of pace type of big, someone who has this skill set that is intriguing and can grow, but off the bat can be someone with a high motor, good rim run ability, great on the defensive end, and can fit in a running game alongside John Wall and Bradley Beal. So so that's someone I'm with. But I mean, also if Isaac Coro's still on the board, you get some more defense, I'll be in a different position, more on the wing, but I'm totally on that. Um, and then you could even have a, a, someone like a Tyrese Halliburton or Devin Vassell, even though both of those guys, I think, are more uh, duplicitous with the guards you already have. Yeah, um, Devin Vassell was somebody who I had on my list that I made, you know, prepping for this pod, was um, just another guy who can be an impact defender for you, more on the wing than as another one of those guards, you know, um, more of a 2-3. I don't. I think he's far too thin to play, you know, the 4. But I definitely think that Okoro is a guy that they are interested in um, for obvious reasons, like, terrific perimeter defender um overall like i've said about okoro in the past somebody who you know the shot is looking rough but i think does everything else on offense well i don't think there you know there's no hope for that shot moving forward so definitely some i I love isaac okoro he's one of my favorite players in the draft i don't think he'll be there at number nine and even if he is if okongwu is also there i think they still go with okongwu but um definitely think that okoro would be a great fit for them and, um, and you know, uh, if they needed a backup, I think Halbert would be fine for them. I think Vassell would be good for them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any prospects at 37? Um, I didn't list anyone in particular. I just put best defensive prospect on the board. Uh, I actually did something very similar to you. No, I do not have. I mean, it's so weird how the draft is going to go. But one thing's for certain, that very back end, uh, I, your boy wants no business with it. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you're looking at some kind of defender, some type of big that is in any way helpful, uh, I don't know who – that's the problem. Who would be around back in the back half that can do that? You know what I mean? Like, an Xavier yeah, Tillman will probably go out real early. Um, you have an, a Daniel Otora, but he's more of an offensive guy than a defensive guy. Uh, and that, honestly, there, there's Killian Tilly. There you go. And that's another guy. More offensive than defensive. Paul Reed, that's another guy. And then, honestly, to be fair, that's the extent of the actual deep, deep draft stuff I've done. So, like, I've, I've gotten, I've been proud of how deep I've gotten, but it hasn't gotten that deep. Like, those guys I just mentioned all could go before the Wizards go back at the 30th pick. So, I would agree with you to trade that um, or, or take someone that can just give you some defensive uh, upside because that's what you need for a team that offensively you did quite well. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm totally with you there. I'm with you. All right, so with that, uh, let's go to free agency. Any free agent targets that you uh, think uh, the Wizards should pursue, obviously aside from their own, or that you want them to go after? Um, I think just looking to kind of fill that Mahimi role on this team. If if they draft, you know, a center, then you know it gets a little bit more interesting. Then you have you know your your center rotation set. If they don't draft Okongwu. I think that a guy like Nerlens Noel would be a great fit for this team. Is probably your starting center. You know that allows you to kind of transition Thomas Bryant into more of a backup role. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Nolan's is obviously someone who's limited on offense. Um, you know, he's not going to be much more than, you know, a guy who sits in the dunker spot or is a pick and roll lob threat, but really gives you some, you know, a, a real interior presence on the defensive end, a real rim protector and shot blocker. Um, can not the best switching on to, you know, perimeter guys, but not the worst in the world either. That's somebody who I think that would be really good for them on a, a reasonable contract. And then, Really, again, just any any wing defender that's available on the market, you know. Um, I think they're they're just a little bit thin on the wing right now. They they have you know Troy Brown and Jonathan Isaac who are going to play there some. Outside of that, you know, I, I'm not sure who the guy is there. So just any wing defender. Yeah, I think you're right. Someone um, on the minimum whatever can fit that can you know play defensive. You can hit a, a shot. That'd be nice. But honestly. You're in a market where it's kind of thin uh, for free agency, kind of weak in terms of you're probably going to get one or the other. There's a lot of intriguing defensive guards out there. Maybe a little priced out of Washington's range, but you may be able to get lucky and get someone in the back half that can help you. Even a guy like, um, and of course I'd forget his name just as I, um, just as it came up to me, but someone who defensively is versatile, can kind of fill a couple of needs, can kind of play an under, an, even if it's like a, a undersized role. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, there you go. That's a, like that, that would be yeah yeah that's a good one for this team. That that's exactly who I would think of as well. All right, so moving into next season, I think this is pretty a simple question, but as far as the Wizards are concerned, this is a this isn't a, another year of development. I only think last year was a year of development. It was development by by just because they had nothing else to do. But you definitely think they're going to come as a more competitive unit. I'd agree, right? Or you'd agree? Yeah, for sure. I think that you know the reports that you know they might be trying to trade for Russell Westbrook. Um, I, I think. That pretty much proves it, you know. Um, this is a team that I think, especially with, you know, the new play-in tournament format where, you know, you have basically the 10th seed has a chance at making the playoffs. I think this is definitely going to be a team that is in that mix from 7 to 10. Um, probably, I don't know. They, I could really see them landing anywhere in that range. Probably more towards the back half of that, mm-hmm. you know, in that 9-10 range. Okay. But um, I definitely expect them to try to compete and if they get Russell Westbrook, who knows? You know, maybe that does raise their ceiling some, and you know, maybe they are in that seven-eight range. But um, yeah, I, I see them as a back-end playoff team that probably you know gets trounced by either the the Bucks or the Nets or whoever else in the first round. I was gonna say that answer my next question. Do you think the Wizards will make the playoffs next year? So yeah, and just like an early exit. Yeah. I'm with you on that. All right. Well, with that, man, well, you know how we keep rolling. We've been going on and heavy like we do every episode, every hour 20 in. But uh, let's run through these superlatives real quick. And uh, I think the best player is still by a wide margin, Bradley Beal, right? Yes. There, there, there's no debate there. The, the mm-hmm. best player superlative is Bradley Beal. Now, here's a, a question. If the Wizards trade for Russell Westbrook, who's the Wizards' best player? Bradley Beal. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm to, sorry if that hurts you a little bit, but it's got to be Bradley Beal still. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I tried to frame it as if that was a serious question. I, I'm, I'm more with you. <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, we I have to have some respect as an analyst here. All right, um, worst player receiving at least semi-significant minutes for the Wizards. And, I mean, be careful because there's a few of them, right? Yeah, there's a few of them. Um, I'm going to put his bubble performance to the side because, again, it was fine. But Jerome Robinson, I just, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand the appeal of him as a player. I'm not sure what he does for you. I don't think he really did a lot in the meaningful minutes he played. Again, the bubble, he kind of picked it up a little bit. But um, I'll, I'll go with Jerome there. Okay, I feel you. 
All right. Now play with the highest potential. It's still got to be Bradley Beal. Um, if you're looking at outside of that, on this team right now, you have you know your young guys being Rui, Troy, and Bryant as you know the three candidates. I might go with Troy. Um, if he can yeah. really figure out a three-point shot, you know he just does everything else so well. Um, I, I, th- I think that that's a bit of a stretch that you know he gets to where he's like a true high-level shooter. But that's like almost like bordering on all-star type of guy if he could develop that shot to that level. So, um, I, and I guess John Wall is the other guy to mention here, but um, uh, it, it still has to be Bradley Beal. Yeah, I, I think without a doubt it still is. Um, I, I don't know, even at, what, 27 now, like how much higher he can go. But for where he is right now, it's very solid. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Um, Troy Brown would be my next one just because I think that he has some skills that are intriguing to be like a Nick Batum type of player. And that, that's something that ultimately, I mean, hey, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, no, it's not at all. Mm-hmm. Player most likely to be moved next season. <sighs> well, now it's looking like it might be John Wall if this whole uh, Russell Westbrook thing crazy? goes through. Um, other than that, I had Bradley Beal still. Um, I think if things go south, he could ask out for a trade by the deadline. Um, and I don't think there's really anybody else that stands out on this team as, you know, an obvious trade candidate outside of him. And I mean, maybe Ish Smith is someone who sold for a second round pick somewhere. Um, other than that, yeah, I don't really think that there's a super obvious trade candidate on this team. So I'll, I'll, I'll just stick with Bradley Beal. Okay. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Beale. I mean, even though they said they're not going to, I mean, obviously, Teams say a lot of things until they actually do what they do. So I'm right there with you. Um, play that folks are really sleeping on. And why is it Mo Wagner? I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is not Mo Wagner for me. It is. It Darn is. It. It's between Isak Bonga and Troy Brown. Um, Troy Brown, like I said, is just somebody who. I, I think I, I I am a big Troy Brown fan. I think he's just just really really good, and I think he has potential to get better. Um, you know, not a name that you see pop up a lot. Um, the only reason you see Isak Bonga's name pop up is asking how you pronounce Isak. So, mm-hmm. so really, you know, I, I, again, I think very, very raw, but I think he, he proved that he couldn't, you know, start for an NBA team this year. I mean, obviously that's not his long-term role, but I think, you know, he's, he's proven that he's a capable NBA player. Um, and overall that'll, that'll be my other guy. I'm with you on that. All right. The no, 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 yes player. Um, it has Weird to be Davis Bertans. Yeah, it, absolutely. It has to be Davis Bertans. He Bertons. took some shots. Um, oh, my God. He took some shots. And it's almost like it, it got to the point where you're like, you know, you're not even saying no anymore because it, at a certain point in the season, like, when do you stop, like, questioning these super deep, you know, off the dribble threes and just start expecting them to go in? Exactly. Like, he took some ridiculous shots, but he just made them time after time. So, for, for shot selection alone, you know, I have to go with him. No, I'm with you. I went from, what are you doing? Oh, wow, he made that. To raising your eyebrow a little bit when he made them, to whatever. He's making another one. Like, the, the level yeah. of acceptance of Dallas Bertans as he kept shooting, and you realize that, no, this is for real. And, and Washington and San Antonio was, was different. But, like, even then, if anything, his three-point shooting was more conservative. Here was like – it was. Yeah, here was like he, he just didn't luck. care when he came here. Yeah, no, he well, just said screw it, I'm shooting the ball. 
Which makes perfect sense considering, you know, hey, I'm in Washington. But no, real talk. It's exactly what happened. It was like, hey, let's go for it. And I'm, you know, I'm glad that he did. And it, it, it's going to get him a little bit more money. It's going to make him a bigger payday. So whoop to do that one. Um, top two guys to go to when the game is on the line. Still got to be Wall and Beal. Yeah. Um, Beal's the obvious one here. And I still think that, you know, y- you got to go with your top two guys. Like I said, I still think Wall's going to be good enough this season to where you can consider him one of those top two guys. So it's got to be those two. With you on that, now here's the interesting one. Top two on the defensive possession. <laughs> Were those two guys that you just mentioned the last on the list? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think that you can – again, I don't know what Wall is going to be on defense. But I think that he's someone who you if, – if you're just asking him to buckle in for one possession, he's maybe a guy. Um, I had a, a little collection of players here. Um, if I, I'll, I'll decide on two – here in a minute, but you have a guy like Gary Payton, who I think, again, is someone who can, if you need him to just lock in for one possession, he's really good on on, on the perimeter. Isak Bonga proved to be a quality defender. Um, Troy mm-hmm. Brown proved to be a quality defender. If I'm just looking for guys to get one stop, I'll go with, right now, Gary Payton and... You know, I'll throw John Wall in there. I'll throw him in there. Lock in for, for one possession and get me a stop. I think he still mm-hmm. has the ability to do that. Now, you're, you're assuming they bring John, uh, Gary Payton back, right? That, that's under the assumption that Gary Payton were to come back, yeah. If, if Gary Payton's off the list, then I'll go with Bonga. Wow, okay. There we go. All right, interesting. All right. Uh, last, any thoughts on the Wizards, man? This is another uh, monster episode that we did. I got thank you for your time just in advance, but uh, actually not just about the Wizards, just in general with everything you're doing, aside from uh, guesting on my show again and again, because uh, it's going to happen again. I'm calling it now. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I'm excited to see what team we have going on next. But um, oh, for sure. Not, uh, other than the Wizards, you know, I think that, like I said, Tommy Shepard's doing what he can with his team. He was put in a difficult spot, and, you know, he's he, this team is yet to find, you know, their, their, one, young, their one young standout guy. But I think it's okay that they don't have that yet. You know, you still have Wall and Beal. You could swing a trade for Russell Westbrook, and you'll have two of those guys again. You know, and a, and a young, cheap supporting cast to put around them to where you can still say, stay at least semi-competitive in the East, which is what I think the team is kind of striving for until they can, you know, write out this John Wall slash Russell Westbrook contract. Mm-hmm. So, and then you can move forward with, you know, those, those Troy Browns and Ruiz and Thomas Bryant's of the world as, you know, the vets on this this next team as you bring in some more young players and hopefully maybe find that one young guy. So um, I, I think that they're they're they have a plan in Washington and it'll take some time to you know really execute it. But I think they're on the right path. I think they've they've made the right moves. Um, it's it's the little moves like you know just being the Lakers dumping ground and taking on their their you know leftovers <laughs> and, yeah, and getting some real players out of the rough. So yeah, overall. Um, like I said, I don't think that they're going to be a, a, a real player anytime soon, but they're heading in the right direction. Hey, and that's all we got for the Washington Wizards. Justin, Matt, thank you so much uh, for coming on as always, bro. Follow Justin. I already said Justin Match because I wanted to plug his Twitter. At Justin Match 26 host of the Cavs Central Pod, all-around NBA expert, SBC alum, good buddy of mine. Like I said, someone you can expect to see on this show again. Uh, you have anything else you want to plug, man? Um. You can follow the the pod the podcast on a uh, the Cavs Central podcast, 
at Cavs Central Pod um, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, other than that, no, that's all I got going on. So thank all you again right. for having me on. Hey, man, you know it's always a blast. Uh, again, check me out at CorbinMB on Twitter. Check out HoopBallHoop-Ball.com on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Also, make sure to follow at HoopBallFantasy. Like I said at the beginning of the show, we have our promotions running out. All of our NBA season products are out there. The Draft Guide, the Brewski 150, the DFS Pass, all of it, everything. Check it out. You want to know more, go find it. Like I said, Hoop-Ball.com at HoopBallFantasy. Until then, for Justin, for myself, we all feeling frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and I will talk to y'all real soon. All right, y'all.